In 2011, a man by the name of Carl Linder died at the age of 92. The name Linda doesn't carry much nor notoriety except for those who live in Cincinnati, Ohio. That's where Linda was from. Linda lived all of his life there. Like many young teenagers, Linda had to quit high school to work on his family farm that was struggling. That's where Linda learned his work ethic. And it was from his Christian faith that he gained his character. And both would take him a long way. In fact, over time, Linda would not only help the family farm to become more successful, but he would go on to open a store. And then over time, he'd go on to open a chain of stores. But Linda didn't stop there. His accomplishments included not only a chain of stores, but a bank, an amusement park, a company that most of us are familiar with called Chiquita Banana, and he would go on to own the Cincinnati Reds. Linda would become someone who would go from abject poverty to becoming a wealthy man. But more importantly, not only did he become a wealthy man, he became a generous man. Throughout Cincinnati, there are all sorts of projects, uh, monuments that bear his name. And there's all sorts of other projects and good deeds and acts that he engaged in that went under the radar that was anonymous to most people. Linda was a man that people loved in Cincinnati. In fact, they went on to call him Uncle Carl. It's an awesome thing to see a life that is fully lived. A life that has not only vision, but a life that has action. A life of motion and direction. A life that is lived with intention. When you read the New Testament, there are two people in particular who stick out as such people. The first, obviously, is Jesus. Jesus was a person who lived a life that was always in motion, a life that was making an impact. In fact, he lived such a life that when the apostle Mark wrote his gospel, he focused in uh, primarily on Jesus as a person of action, as a person of intention. He showed Jesus as a person going from one event to another. In fact, 39 times in his gospel, he uses the word immediate or immediately to show the quick transitions that took place in Jesus' ministry. Jesus lived a very full life. The second person is also of no surprise in the New Testament, and that's the Apostle Paul. As we look at the book of Acts and Paul's letters, we see that Paul engaged in four missionary journeys. Some have even kind of split it to say he engaged in seven. But he engaged in four missionary journeys that covered an estimated 10,000 miles in travel. 10,000 miles that took just in traveling over one year 
that composed the 35 years of his ministry. At the end of Paul's life, we read these awe-inspiring words found in 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 7, where Paul writes, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. What it means to live a full life. What it means to live a life that isn't just busy, but a life that is productive. A life lived with intention, a life lived with motion, a life lived with mission. This morning as we look at Romans chapter 15 and looking at the concluding verses, we get a glimpse of what you might say uh, is Paul's travel agenda, um, his plans for the future, but more importantly, we get a look at Paul doing life. We get a look at the fullness of the life that Paul was living. Um, what we see in his life is that he doesn't waste the time. He redeems it. And that's what God calls us to do. As we turn to the passage, there's an important lesson about living a full life. And the lesson is this. Living a full life is knowing when to move on to the next thing. Living a full life is knowing when to move on to the next thing. Because many people get stuck in the same thing because they don't know when it's time to move on. Many people live safe and small and ineffectual lives because they don't know how to move on from one thing to the next thing. And so as we look at these verses, we're going to see how Paul transitions, how Paul calculates in his mind when it's time to move on, when it's time to not stay where he is and get stuck, but move on to the next thing that God would have for him. And so if you have your Bibles open, and we're going to put the verses up there for you, I just want to share with you eight things that we find um, in these uh, verses that really speak to us about when we know it's time to move on to the next thing. So the first I want to share with you comes out of verse 23, and look what we read. But now there is no more place for me to work in these regions. And since I have been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. Now, let me just back up to the verse 23, just the very first part of it. Uh, Paul says, but now there is no place for me to work. Part of knowing when to move on to the next thing, part of knowing what a full life looks like is knowing what your work is. You see, 
If you're going to know how and when and where to move on, you have to know the work that you're engaged in. Paul says in these verses, but now there is no more place for me to work in these regions. A full life does not come down into the things that you have. We get caught up in that in our culture, especially in Western culture. There's this notion that the more we have is a sign of a full life. And so we look for newer cars, we look for bigger houses, we look for cushy retirements. We look for all sorts of stuff, things that we can hold or things that uh, we can point to that would say, I've gained enough. I have enough to be considered a success. The problem is that's not what success is. The problem is we know in our hearts it doesn't fill anything. A full life comes in knowing what God has called you to do and doing it. Now, I, I know that's hard because I have people say to me all the time, I don't know what God has called me to do. It's not that I'm not willing. I, I, just, I just don't know. How do you know what God has called you to do? I, I love uh, just three helps that John Maxwell gives in this regard. He says, first, it's what makes you cry. That is what burdens your spirit or weighs heavily on your heart. In other words, part of knowing what it is that God wants you to do is God puts a burden on your heart where you see something that needs to be done and it, it's, it's calling your name. It's, it's something you know deep down inside you have the capacity to engage with. You have the desire to go after it. You want to see the burden lifted. Uh, two, Maxwell says, it's what makes you sing. What activities bring you joy? Because God gives us the desires of our hearts because he puts them there. Knowing what your work is, knowing what it is that God would have you to do begins with asking the question, what is it that brings me joy? What is it that brings satisfaction to my heart? What is, is it that makes me feel like I'm living out my purpose here? What is it that lifts my spirits when I engage in it? Knowing what makes you cry, knowing what makes you sing. Thirdly, he says, what do you dream of? What do you dream of becoming? If you could become anything, what would that look like? If you could become what God would have you to be, what would that look like? The willingness to dream and to dream big. I think the problem with many of us in life is we live small lives because we don't dare engage in big dreams. And when we don't do that, we aim at nothing and we hit it. Paul would say this. Knowing when it's time to move on, you have to first know what your work is. That way you know when it's over and it's time to move on. And secondly, the rest of verse 23 where Paul says, And since I have been longing 
for many years to visit you. I will plan to do so when I go to Spain. Knowing when to move on is knowing how the present connects with the future. Knowing how the present connects with the future. And how do you know that? Well, frankly, you know it because it just does. One of the incredible things that I can say in my own life I have seen is how when I have engaged in a work that God has called me to do, it just seems to naturally roll into the next thing. That if I'm keeping my heart open and my eyes open, if I'm seeking to listen to God, the next thing just becomes obvious. It's knowing that what I'm doing now, if I'm doing it for God, there'll be a connection to the next thing that he would have me to do. And that's important, to be looking for those connections, to be diligently ministering and giving our due diligence to whatever we're doing, but knowing that it will probably come to an end. And when it does, we don't spend time grieving. We don't spend time trying to hold on to it. We recognize that if something has come to an end, that it is a connection to what God would have us to do next. Thirdly, verse 24, Paul says, I hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Uh, knowing uh, when to make a transition, knowing what comes next, comes in knowing what progress looks like. Uh, Paul talks about being on his way to Jerusalem to serve God's people. And he says that when I'm finished doing that, then I'm going to come to you and enjoy your company. It's knowing what progress looks like. It means that when I'm engaging in something, I'm asking the question, what is this all about? What are the goals that I'm trying to achieve? How will I know when it's over? I was listening to uh, Warren Worsby one time at a conference, and he said, I always knew when it was time to move on to the next church, to the next ministry. He said, I knew because I no longer want to give as much as I was giving. I think what he meant in that was, I knew they no longer needed me anymore. That the work I was engaged in was complete and that in order to be productive, I would have to move on to the next thing. I would have to move on to the next level of life. Uh, for some people, it's moving on uh, to the next job, maybe, or the next place, if that's what God has called you to. So to for some, it can be that point of knowing it's time to move on to retirement. It's time to take time to spend with God in a new and fresh way. It's time to trust him in a new way. Part of moving on to the next thing and 
is being progressive. And progressive means that we will always take risk. It means that we'll always have to trust God. That what he has for us is bigger than what we're doing. Number five, Paul says, well, let me back up. Uh, number five, Paul says, you will have to know that you will need the help of others. He says that I wish to see you on my way to Jerusalem that you may refresh me. What does that mean? It means he understands that I can't just travel on and on and on and be an island. It means that I need other people. That if I'm going to succeed in living a life that is full, I know you can't live a full life by yourself. I think of a gentleman many, many, many years ago who was just had a nervous breakdown and he was before his family after he had been institutionalized uh, for depression and he said was talking about what went on for him and he talked about the fact that he had spent all of his life working to the point of ignoring his wife to the point of ignoring his children so that when he retired they had become so embittered they wanted nothing to do with him the kids didn't see him as they grew up and they didn't bring the grandkids to see him and so when he retired he said to his wife what would you like to do and she said I'm already doing it she said I'm not going to give it up for you because you abandoned us all these years and from that he fell into a massive depression and I remember his word saying, I, I, just, I just want a second chance. The problem is, opportunities come and go. Life moves on. Our relationships matter. That making progress without building intimacy with others without giving to others and without needing others isn't a full life. It's a very narrow place and a very dark place to live. I've seen people who have tried to do it. They become very negative. They become very hopeless. And they become very cynical of God. Moving on, knowing when to make the next transition is an understanding that I will always need the help of others and others will always need the help of me. Paul then goes on and says, knowing when to make the next move happens by knowing that you're an agent of reconciliation, that whatever the work that God has called you to do, you will do so as an agent of reconciliation because that's what we're here for listen to the words of the apostle paul in second corinthians chapter 5 verse 8 paul says all this is from god who reconciles us to himself through christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation whatever my work is i'm seeking to bring people 
back together with God. Look what Paul says. For Macedonia and Care were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the Lord's people in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and in fact, they owed it to them. For if the Gentiles had shared in the, bless, in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them their material blessings. Now, we've talked about in this book uh, the tension between the Jews and the Gentiles. How many of the Jews looked at Gentile, Jewish Christians looked at Gentile Christians as those who weren't fully on board with God's program. That while they believed in Jesus, they weren't following the right Jewish rituals, which as Paul made clear over and over again, was not of God's concern. But there was this constant tension between the two. And now the, the, the Jews in Jerusalem are struggling. Uh, there's a time of, of great need, a time of famine, a time where others would need to be a blessing to them. And so Paul engages in a ministry of reconciliation. I don't care where you are. There is an opportunity to reconcile people to people and people to God. It can be in your workplace. It can be in your church. It can be in your community. There will always be a time of reconciliation. And it can be simply in conversation with people. As they begin to comment on someone else's life, as they begin to point out the flaws, your opportunity to stick up for them. Your opportunity to say, you know, maybe they're going through a hard time. Maybe we shouldn't prejudge this. Maybe we should find out how we can make a difference. There is always the opportunity for reconciliation. If you're going to live a full life, you'll understand part of that full life is reconciling people to God and people to people. Uh, number six, Paul says this. It means knowing when your current work is done. Paul says, so after I've completed this task and have made sure that they have received the contribution, I will go to Spain and visit you on the way. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. I urge brothers and sisters by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to join me in my struggle and my, by praying to God for me. Paul says, I know now it's time to go. I know now I have to switch up locations. I know that transitions mean I know when it's time to go and I know that there's a different place for me to go, wherever that is, whatever that looks like. Number seven, Paul says, knowing about engaging in transition, knowing about a full life means that you know opposition will always be part of your destination. Paul says, I ask that you pray for me. Verse 34, he says, pray that I may be kept safe from the unbelievers in Judea 
and that the contribution I take to Jerusalem will be favorably received by the Lord's people there, so that I may come to you with joy by God's will and in your company be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Paul understands that opposition will come. He understands that whenever we try to do something good, whenever we try to do something new, we'll always face opposition. That opposition can, can be from people. It can be from believers. It can be from unbelievers. That opposition will come from people who don't understand us, from people who might be jealous of us, from people who don't believe and moving on to bigger things, from people who are intimidated by people who move on to bigger things. We'll always find opposition. The opposition can come just in the fact that moving on sometimes means moving on from something easier to something harder. But that's the exciting thing. You know, whether you're a Democrat or whether you're a Republican, one of the things that is, I think, somewhat inspiring is that the candidates running for office right now are all in their 70s. These are guys that haven't given up yet. These are guys who still believe that they can make a contribution, that their lives can be lived in a fuller manner than what they're living them. And you got to give credit to that because I know so many people who die at 70, 80, 90, but they died a long time ago. The Apostle Paul lived a life that right to the very end, he said, I have been poured out like a drink offering. I've given everything. I've faced every opposition. That when it got harder, I pushed on in a harder way. When it got harder, I prayed harder. When it got harder, I trusted God more. Knowing when it's time to move on. Knowing when it's time to trans make the next transition. Knowing what a full life looks like means understanding There'll always be opposition along the way to your destination. And lastly, there will always be greater joy and peace from God as you do so. Because our God is a God of peace. He's a God who gives us a calm inside no matter what's going on around us. He's a God who gives us the joy of salvation of knowing that he is in the redemption business, that all things work to the good of those who love him and call according to his purposes, that no matter what happens, it'll be okay. You know, as we live in the time of this virus, one of the things I keep saying to people over and over again, it'll be okay. No matter what happens, it will be okay. God's will is not frustrated. It is not thwarted. Whether I live or I die, I do so for Christ. 
And I do so in the promises that he has made to me. That whether I live or die, I will live and I will have life abundant. As I live my life, I want to live a life that's full. I want to live a life that when I come to the end of it, I can look back and I can know I had a good run. I'll know it wasn't perfect and I'll know I'll have made mistakes. But what I'll also know is that when I made those mistakes, when I bumped into opposition, I didn't quit. But by God's help, I pushed through. I'll know that there are times when it's time to move on. I'll know that moving on means that sometimes it's moving on to something harder. I'll know that moving on never happens without growing richer in my friendships and relationships and my intimacy with God. I'll know what moving on means because I'll know the work that God has called me to do. And I'll know when it's done. It's an awesome thing to see a life that is fully lived. It's an awesome thing to experience a life that is fully lived. Where vision and intention find their resting place in motion and in action. And that's God's will for us. So as you live your lives this week, do not live them in fear. For fear is a waste of time. Don't live them in regret because regret's a wasted emotion. But live them in the peace that comes from God. Live them in the assurance that he has come to bring you life and to bring it to you abundantly. And live them looking for every opportunity to engage in ministry to others. Let's join our hearts together in prayer. Father God, we thank you for these words. As we read them, we see the richness of a life fully lived, of, of a man who is moving in one area to another to another, and in all of it, understanding the tasks before him and the tasks behind him, and doing so not out of a sense of burden, but out of satisfaction, out of sense of knowing that you are with him, and that what you called him to do, you will also see that it is done. Help us to live large lives. Let us not shrink back. Let us not retire from making a difference. But as long as we live and breathe and have our being, let us be dedicated to you and to what you would have us to do. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.